0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards, have a podcast about collecting sports cards, and we are talking about flawless today. We are talking about flawless parallels and patches. I got my man Kevin Randall to cap in 37 back on the damn program. Always enjoy his thoughts. I thought this conversation was very interesting, digging into the appearance, but also the value side when we're talking about multicolor patches, talking about autographs, talking about the serial numbering of it all, how that all factors in. Kevin brings the dealer perspective whenever he comes on this program, and I think it's a really good one. So, hope you enjoy this. Also, if you are looking for some more content, from yours truly, sign up for the weekly rip. It is the newsletter that has been on ice for some time. The link will be in the show notes. Click it and sign up. I will have already done something or am planning on doing something with it, but I'm bringing that back to the surface. I'm trying to think of creative ways to provide offerings to people in the hobby. More to come on that, but hopefully by the time this goes live, there'll be something in your inbox, if not next week. I'm excited to share this conversation with Kevin, the Captain37, with all of you. Let's kick it to the conversation. All right. I am excited about this conversation. We have a familiar face or voice if you're listening uh, back on the program. We're going to be talking about flawless patches and parallels to do that. I got my man, Kevin Randall, to Captain 37 Kevin, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, you know, patches are, you know, that I, I love patches. I think that's, you, you know, that it's very evident from my post. So I'm super excited to have this conversation today about Flawless Patches.
0: You were just at a uh, show this past weekend, weren't you? Maybe it'd be good to just like give a state of update just from like dealer perspective. What's happening at shows? What was the show? How did it go?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's so funny. Like if you look at Instagram from like November 1st through the holidays, you would think you should sell all your cards because everybody hates sports cards and cards are dead and no one can sell cards and the market's down, whatever. It's the freaking holidays, right? It happens. If you've been around this long enough and, you know, a lot of people, these people complaining haven't been around long enough, right? But if you've been around long enough, you understand the cycle, right? Like this is a hobby. Right. You know, disposable income is not going into cards All right around the holidays. Right. People have family stuff, you know, presents, gifts for family members like it it happens every year. Right. I've been around this for a long time. And literally as soon as January 1st hits, things pick back up. So I have done three shows so far this year and they've all been um, local shows. So my Dead of Massachusetts show um, cardboard promotions I did on New Year's Day, January 1st. And I did yesterday, um, which was Martin Luther King Day. And then there was a new show in Rhode Island, um, the Crown Jewel show. Uh, which was a little bigger. It was like 125 tables, I think, um, the first time the show ever ran. So you really, you know, when you sign up for that, and get into it, you really don't know how it's going to be. And I'll tell you, like th- these first three local shows have been absolutely unbelievable. Foot traffic has been insane. Uh, and it was insane. New Year's started right in New Year's Day. Um, for a first time show in Rhode Island, those guys did a hell of a job promoting this thing. And the, the foot traffic was absolutely insane. And it was a weird show because th- we had some serious weather in the morning. Like I drove in in a monsoon, basically going about thirty-five on the highway took me about an hour and ten to get there versus the forty-minute trip it should be. So it was a late start to the show. So I'm sitting there by like you know eleven thirty and I hadn't sold a card. I'm like, okay, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Then noon to two, like an absolute rush. It was like that video of the Cowboys fans running in once they opened up um, at the playoff game, although they were pretty disappointed. But um, unbelievable foot traffic at all three local shows, and I just couldn't believe the the volume of deals I did sales um trades not as much buying um but more so um it was really more so sales so you know for all the you know doomsday instagram posts you see out there i will tell you that it's been a very hot start to the year locally it shows um and i'm really looking forward to getting back on the show circuit um i cut down the travel a little bit this year but um doing chicago in march um so heading back out to the chicago sports Spectacular then i'm heading your way i uh, booked that up in june uh to the midwest march. so love coming out to indy um love the area love the trip so um, I'm super excited. I took a little break myself around the holidays, which I think shows you where the hobby is around the holidays, right? Even I, who do this full time, took a break and stepped away. Um, but I'm I'm fired up to get right back into it. It's
0: been a great, great start to the year, um, show wise. I know you've diversified what you bring and what's in your showcases quite a bit over the last year. Uh, what when people are coming up to your showcase, is there any trends or what are what are people after? Like what what are is it vintage? Uh, prospects, Peyton, Brady, all of the above, anything going into this year that's maybe different or is it all kind of the same? Well, I will say that, you know, my
1: out of the five showcase display I had these last two shows, Saturday and Monday, um, two and a half of Brady. So he moved naturally, but I have more of him. So I would expect him to move. Um, I moved some um, shiny stuff slabs, like in the 200 to $800 range. A um, couple game use patches. Um, had some people interested in autos, but, you know, his autos, I mean, depending on the auto are still, you know, good money, right? I know his stuff um, is down right now because he's a little out of sight, out of mind because, you know, post-retirement, right? I think it happens to everybody. Um, But I'll tell you, I sold a couple um, solid paid money cards um, in my area, which is kind of rare, you know? Um, I I truly think that with the struggle of these young quarterbacks this year, literally across the board, um, it's making people kind of seek out goat type stuff. So it, it was just, it was interesting that I don't have a ton of the young quarterback stuff left anyway, but there weren't people asking for it. And I'll tell you, like in, in right now, a lot of people trying to unload CJ Stroud, you know, Jordan Love, Lamar Jackson. I'm very cautious with getting into quarterback stuff during the playoffs because it the market's so volatile. You know, I like Lamar. I actually I'm I'm completely sold on CJ Stroud, like, you know, in the offseason. If somebody wanted to come after like a bigger Peyton card or a bigger Brady card or a bigger vintage card and they want to do some card cash and they had some CJ Stroud stuff, I actually would take it on because I like the kid a lot. You know, you know all too well, obviously, having to see him twice this year as a Colts fan, right? Um, And being in that division. But um, vintage baseball is super hot right now. Um, I moved a ton of vintage baseball slabs. And then, um, obviously, my area, um, I'm in, you know, the Boston area. Jason Tatum is crazy, crazy hot right now. Um, I'll be curious to see how he is um, when I travel more outside um, of my area. But, um, you know, basketball stuff, Tatum, Giannis, um, you know, Luca, that stuff's hot right now, too. So, um, yeah, in terms of the football market, I've seen more people trying to unload, which is smart by them, the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs right now, um, versus pick them up. Um, But I did ask people ask for Lamar, people ask for Brock Purdy and things like that. So it's not like there's no demand. Um, I just don't have enough of it in my showcase to fully be able to talk on the demand. Um, But I will say the hottest thing right now for me and what I have is vintage baseball for sure. That stuff was flying. And I picked up a beautiful Jackie Robinson, uh, 1953 tops. I was super excited about in a trade, so. Um, it was just a fun show. And really like looking at my inventory as a whole, little pieces of everything moved, which is what you want to see. Right. And from a dealer perspective, you don't want to be like, oh, man, I'm only moving this. I'm stuck with this stuff. Right. It was like, you know, across the weekend, little areas of everything moved across the board, which was nice to see.
0: That's awesome. And I'd be remiss, and we'll get to this at the end. And maybe you get some leeway because I think we usually do this chat uh, around the start of the nfl playoffs but i i am going to put you on the spot and ask you for your super bowl prediction although some teams are now eliminated but at yeah. the end of this that's what we'll close out with
1: well i'll tell you i would have said so before the season started i'll I, I want to throw this out there now so i'm not like you know i said um ravens eagles so um couldn't have been more wrong with the eagles although i looked really good um when the eagles were sitting at like 10 and 1 <laughs> right but i'll tell you um, so I got some friends who were Eagles fans and the way that team fell apart, um, Nick sirianni has gotta be on the hot seat. I know he just made a Super Bowl, but you look at it, they lost both coordinators and the team completely fell apart. So now if you're sitting there, you know, in, in an ownership perspective, you're like, all right, who was the real who's responsible for the success last year? Was it sirianni, was the two coordinators? And really, I mean, and look at what look at what the Eagles offensive coordinator did for you guys, right? It, you know, he it's to, pretty this, good. The season, yeah, pretty good, right? The season he had with the Colts. So I'm sitting here like, I mean, he's a man. They were a mess. And I'll tell you what, the part that would bother me the most if I was in the Eagles front office or a fan, it looked like they quit last night. Like, they weren't even tackling. Like, it's it's terrible, you know? And I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy. I, I root for him. I like him. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of people saying, you know, you know, he's terrible. But listen, I'm a diehard Raiders fan. I would trade the farm for Jalen Hurts, Right. There are people, I mean, there is so much bad quarterback playing the league right now. There are people who would die to have him as their quarterback and franchise quarterback. Right. But I really don't think he's the issue. I think that the coaching staff is the issue. Um, and clearly um, a lot of the, what they're saying is going on deaf here. So they were a huge disappointment, but I did say Ravens Eagles, So I'm going to stick with the Ravens pick. Um, I think that my concern for the Ravens was if the Browns won and they had to go to Baltimore and it was my, sa- my same concern for San Fran, if the Rams had won and Dallas had won. The Rams had to go to San Fran. Like, basically, both San Fran and Baltimore had a two-week bye because they didn't play their starters in Week 18. The last thing you want to see coming off a two-week bye is a divisional opponent Mm. who knows you very well. You know, so I actually think the road is paved pretty well right now. I mean, for San Fran, you literally just bumped Dallas and Philly out of the NFC. You're sitting there with um, Detroit, and I love the Lions. Listen, I hope the Lions win the whole freaking thing. What a story. I mean, how can you not love Dan Campbell um, and and or Jared Goff? It just, if there's such a fun team to follow and what a game that was Sunday night, it was awesome to watch. I'm a big Matthew Stafford guy too, but I was rooting for the lions. You got the lions left, you got the Packers left, you know, and then um, the Buccaneers, right? Like you're sitting here like, okay, how does San Fran, I mean, listen, it's any given Sunday, but how does San Fran not have a pretty easy path to the Super Bowl right now? So I think, you know, I don't, there's no such thing as a lock, in sports in the NFL, but San Fran would be my money would go. I think they're going to win the whole thing. And the AFC side, I'm sticking with Baltimore. I'm going to stick with my original pick. I do think that they don't want to see the bills. I think that seeing Houston, I think they're going to be all set against Stroud. I love CJ Stroud, but it's a tough spot to go on the road against Baltimore, that defense, Um, you know, and and, and the thing people don't talk about enough is Harbaugh's coaching experience. He's been there before, right? Super Bowl winning coach, um, coach perennial playoff team, um, nothing's going to surprise him, whereas on the other side for Houston, you got a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. So as, as, as awesome as they've been, tough spot to be in. And then, you know, that KC-Buffalo game, um, by far the best game um, of the weekend. It's going to be unbelievable. I I do think that Allen gets Mahomes finally. You know, the Chiefs had a good showing last week, but it was also, you know, negative 100 out, um, Hellman's cracking. Um, you know, the Dolphins, too, was terrible in the cold anyway, so I didn't think the Dolphins had any chance in that game. You know, despite Tyreek's early long touchdown to give them hope. But um, I think that, you know, Josh Allen is playing at a very high level. And that the, the key here is he hasn't turned the ball over as much. They've won. I mean, they were, I think, six and six <clears throat> and won the last five to get in. And it, it seems like they've really cleaned things up with this new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I was a Stefan Diggs fantasy manager, I actually benched him in the Super Bowl. Talk about, you know, taking some guts to do that. But their offense has changed. You know, they're running the ball more. They're getting the running backs more involved. They're taking some pressure off Josh Allen. I hope that Gabe Davis is back and healthy for Buffalo next week. I think that'll be a big factor. Um, He's had some good games against Casey in the playoffs. But I I do think push comes to shove. I'll say Ravens-Bills, and I'll take the Ravens um, versus the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl and the Niners winning.
0: I like it. When I saw Josh Allen barrel over everybody and and get that touchdown last night, I I was like, what an incredible play. And then I took a step back, and the hairs on the back of my neck started to stand up because I realized that we were going to get Allen and Mahomes this time in Buffalo. And I'm with you. Like Allen's career and the way he's gone out in the playoffs reminds me so much of being a Peyton Manning fan and what happened to him in his career. And now he's got redemption at home against Mahomes. And I know this is Chiefs team is different. And I know Mahomes doesn't have all the weapons. Uh, and I'm not ready to pick the game so far, but I'm like, man, like Mahomes, one of the greatest ever. Like, wouldn't this just be Mahomes to go rain on Josh you know, Allen's parade? Sure so. so it maybe the most watched playoff game forever, but that's the one I'm the most excited for. And
1: his first road game ever, which is crazy to think about. He's only played at Arrowhead. So it, it, how, how crazy is that to say? But it's going to be very interesting. Um, and you Look at the AFC. Like, I'm a Raiders fan, right? So when it comes to playoff times, playoff time, I root for the hobby quarterbacks to advance, right? Mm. You look at the AFC, Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, and CJ Stroud. You couldn't have asked for better final four hobby quarterbacks, right? I mean, you would have wanted to see on the other side, Jalen Hurts advance. Obviously, there's a lot invested in him. But I mean, I'm talking about the AFC. This is awesome, right? I mean, no matter what the matchup is for the AFC Championship, it's going to be great for the hobby, um, which I'm all for when it comes to playoff time.
0: All right. We're getting into – we. Get, you and I, we always do this. We can talk football you know. all freaking day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe to like set the stage for this conversation on Flawless, I'd love to dig into – and this – I get these questions, and I'm not even a big patch guy, so it's hard for me to navigate. And you're someone who buys a lot, sells a lot. But just we're in this era right now where we haven't seen game worn stuff in a long time. And I'm just like curious on your end before we get into flawless, like the importance of game worn patches like today um, as they exist in this kind of sea of unworn stuff that continues to get produced. We're unsure of what's going to happen with Fnatic. So, like, how do you think about this game-worn stuff and these sets from, like, Flawless? We talked about Fabric of the Game last week. But, like, how do you think about them in terms of importance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of game-use stuff, um, especially, like you said, navigating the sea of all-player-worn. I think we're getting into a situation where um, people aren't realizing, like, you know, especially the, the younger generation, that, You know, there was awesome patches that were game-worn that weren't just off a jersey somebody put on for three seconds. Or you got, you know, a a patch from one player and you, you know, you had all those stories of people cutting open cards and seeing that it's somebody else's jersey name, right? Because that's just event-worn stuff, right? Um, So I don't know where it's going to go with Fanatics in terms of, you know, are we going to see more game-use stuff? Whatever, I hope we do. But, I mean, you look at, I mean, I obviously focus on Brady and Peyton, right? They're my two PC guys, right? I don't think Peyton Manning's had a game use card in like five or six years. Um, and probably the same can be said about Brady. So that just goes to show you that, you know, it's one of two things, right? Either A, it's becoming more difficult to obtain that stuff for the companies or B, Benny just says we don't give a shit because we're losing everything anyway. So why we bother purchasing a $500,000 game use jersey of Brady to put in cards, right? Um, but I just, you know, I've always been drawn to game use stuff. I'm a huge football fan, right? I can't afford... Or n- nor display with my house and two young kids, right? My wife would kill me a full game use Jersey of a player, right? With the cert, right? So, you know, you look at this stuff, it's a way to bring people closer to the game. Um, you get kind of a piece of history in, in a car, which if you love cards, obviously having that is awesome, right? So I've always been drawn to it for that. And, you know, it's it's just cool stuff. Like I, you know, being a Peyton Manning fan and PCing him growing up, it kind of sucked because you only had the two color Colts patch, right? So when he went to Denver while well, it, took a piece of my soul as a Raiders fan. Uh, it was very cool to be able to get, you know, three, four color Broncos patches of Peyton, right? Brady always had it, right? Because the Patriots have great colors in the uniform, <clears throat> some great logo patches and things like that. But I just think that there's so much player-worn stuff that's flooding the market now. That the younger generation of collectors, maybe doesn't even realize that, okay, this stuff is not the stuff you want. You want the game-use stuff, right? So I'm hoping that when Fanatics officially does the takeover, that we see more of that stuff and, and, and the value is reflected in it, right? Like it amazes me. We talk about this in our Colts chat all the time. You know, Jordan brings us up Northward a lot, you know, what this, this player worn Peyton Manning stuff out of like flawless and um, eminence and these higher end products, what it's selling for compared to what some of the older game use stuff is selling for it. It's, it's, it's crazy. It blows my mind. Like, why would you want, it, it's just a new flashy car, right? That's all it is. Right. The new flashy product, like people are drawn to, right. But I think, um, Maybe about a year ago, Peyton had a, um, I think it was out of eminence, a um, player-worn shield on-card autograph card was freaking gorgeous, but it's player-worn, right? I think it went for like 6K or something. I'm sitting here like, okay, I'm sitting here looking down at my um, game-used shield out of National Treasures of Peyton on-card, and I'm really happy with that purchase I made years ago because I'm like, how could somebody pay that much money for that? And listen, whatever. I mean, you you buy what you want. I'm not going to tell people how to spend their money. Right. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have something that's actually worn by the player in the game versus player worn. The one exception I will say is rookie stuff. Right. Like RPA stuff for rookies, it's tough because they haven't had the companies don't have access to that stuff when they're making the product. So I have no issue. Like, you know, I I don't hold anything against Patrick Mahomes, National treasures RPAs because they play worn. Right. That it's rookie stuff. Right. That's my one area where I'm okay with it. If it's a rookie stuff, I'm good. But after that, man, I want game use stuff of these players
0: just on the imminence example that you talked about shiny objects i think a lot of it and this is where i'm curious like i think a lot of it maybe comes down to a lack of like new people coming into the hobby interested in game war and stuff or interested in patch stuff there's kind of a lack of education around like what to go after and what not to um especially as the new shiny objects come in and I'm curious, you you have probably more conversations than almost anyone listening to the show about just like deals, cards. And there's a segment that comes to your showcase who know what they want. They've been in the hobby forever. They know what game use stuff is. But like when you're at the show, how, how often do people come up and like qualify some of the stuff that they're looking at in your showcase on if it's player worn? game use like, does, do those conversations happen or not? Cause I'm just trying to get a, a pulse on like the education around this. And if this is a gap that is exists or might continue to exist yeah. as we move to a new manufacturer.
1: Yeah. I would say all the time, um, you know, especially as you get into more higher end patches. And I think when you get into more higher end patches, it, it, it goes beyond just being game used. It goes more to the wording on the back. Um, and this is where, You know, we talk about flawless patches, you know, it'll just say um, game use in the back. But like the older patches, this is why I'm an older patch guy. I love flawless patches, right? But if you look at my PC, I only have probably two or three. I mean, they're they're good ones, right? Which I'll share when I get their flawless, right? But I'm more old school when it comes to patches because I love when it says like, you know, you've received a a card officially certified to have been worn by Tom Brady in an official NFL game. Like that's the best type of wording you want. When you get into the super high-end patches like NFL Shields and things like that, We've had this conversation in my in my Brady chat. That wording on the back matters so much. somebody's going to drop four or five figures on a card. They want to be completely sure that, you know, this is legit, right? And you know, the legit conversation we could we could talk a whole hour about and have a whole episode about because there's so many fake patches and stuff out there. Um and I I I get DMs asking me opinions all the time and I, I encourage people, you know, I'm not gonna say I'm a patch expert, but I got a lot of experience, especially with Brady patches and what's good and what's not good. So I get DMs all the time asking. I have no problem having those conversations and answering them because I don't want people to get burnt when they make these purchases. Um, But, you know, the bottom line is I I think that, you know, people, I have a lot of Brady patches in my showcase, right? People want to be assured their game use and every patch in my showcase is. So I guess locally, especially I get less questions. People just know at this point, right? Um, But when it comes to the higher end patches, I think the wording on the back really matters to people rather than just saying this is a certified game used by Panini, um, they want to see, you know, hey, it's officially worn by Tom Brady. In NFL. And listen, it's certified game used by Panini, you believe it is, right, worn by Brady, right, obviously. I have plenty of patches on my PC that say that, the newer stuff, right, because the wording's changed over time. But I always kick it old school with my PC, whether it's old school shiny stuff, um, old school patches, old school inserts, right? And that's why, just because there, there was more – you know, care and attention to detail in that stuff back in the day um, versus what it is now, to be completely honest.
0: Maybe getting into Flawless and maybe this thread that we just talked about, I personally, like as not a big patch guy, I really like Flawless. I like the look of the cards. I like the patch windows. Uh, There's a consistency, I think, over the several years, which is nice and comforting. I think one of the hook hangups that I have just as a Maybe not so much Manning, but more Andrew Luck as an Andrew Luck collector. When these cards pop up on eBay or any other platform, I have to be damn sure that I like flip the card over and read the copy of what you just described, because that's where there's a lot of inconsistency where it's like one year, this is game use stuff. You jump to the next year. It's not. Maybe just talk about that or talk about just like flawless and just the it, reputation of Flawless in your collection, how you think about it, at shows, uh, anything you want to start with? So
1: Flawless has an extremely good reputation at shows in
0: terms of like, if you've got a Flawless patch,
1: like listen, you know, I've had at the national, right? I, I probably had a showcase with, I don't know, 50 Brady Game News patches in it, right? And, you know, Flawless one sitting right in the middle. And, you know, that's the one I had the most conversations about, right? Besides my NFL shields, right? So super, super great reputation. It's, listen, it's a super high-end product. People know it costs a ton of money. I think the other factor here is, you know, 99% of the hobby can't afford to break it. So when they can get a piece of it without paying the premium to break it, they want to, right? To, to, to have that super high-end card in your collection, right? Like it's, you know, it's like getting that, um, you know, if you're an art collector, you, you find that one piece, the centerpiece of your collection, right? Like that the Flawless patch can be it, right? The only thing I'll say is there's a ton of worn stuff in Flawless. And I think that sometimes people, you know, they they... View the brand over to what the actual card is like, oh, my God, it's flawless. I got to mm. get it. right Well, make sure it's game used, right? It's not just about getting the shiny new toy that's super expensive just to have to fit into the cool kids club, right? I mean, it's making sure that you're getting something you actually want. You're going to be proud of in your PC that's actually worn by the player in the game, right? Now, once again, rookie stuff aside, I don't judge rookie stuff. It's going to be player worn. There's nothing we can do about that. But first of all, the design on Flawless, like you said, is unbelievable. They do a great job with it every year. The jumbo patch windows, um, you know, the the only design I really know to heart is 2014, the the inaugural year, because that's where I've kind of hang my hat for my PC. And you look at those cards, you know, first of all, I love the different parallel versions in it. You you have like the base um, silver number to 25, then you have the um, ruby number to 15, which looks great for Tom Brady. um, Mm. That ruby foil around the patch window. It's a great, great, you know, design aesthetics there. Then you got the gold number to 10, right? Then you have the emerald number to five. So I love the Jumbo patch windows. I love the design of the cards. I love the flag, I, you know, I know this is not gonna be a video for people, right? But there's the there's the Peyton Manning lighting stinks right now. Right. But it, it's you know, you got the silver around the patch window. Um, and then, you know, my Peyton Manning, I'm um, excuse my Tom Brady um, you know, four color flawless patch auto. I would love it to have the Ruby and be Ruby, but cause this matches the red of the of the patch window, but you know, beggars can't be choosers with that stuff. I'll settle for my four-color number twenty-five. But because I'm more about the I want the good chunky patch multicolor versus the design aesthetics of the color of the card matching the foil and things like that. But um, I also love in 2014 Flawless, it, it, you talk about the patch autos, right? Like just looking at it, they designed it perfectly. You got the nice big patch window at the bottom, got the nice flawless cursive writing right above the patch window. That the brand of the car does not interfere with the aesthetics of the car, which I love. And you got a nice big picture of Brady you know, top left. And then they put the autograph in a perfect spot. It's not being written over any writing or anything, you know, white background, perfect blue signature, Pat's logo below it. Like you you can't say enough about the design of this stuff and how well they did it in the first year. And that's right. I mean, I, I, I owned other years and I've, I've, you know, but 2014, I can like, I could draw out the, I'm so familiar with the set. I could draw out the aesthetics and the the design of the card. It's just, it's, it's so nice how they did it. Um, it's, it's unbelievable, but yeah, back to the reputation thing. Flawless, very, very good reputation. Um, anytime I have a flawless patch or I'm, I'm set up near people who have flawless patches, people are always asking about them. Um, uh, cause it's a high-end brand, right. And, and people like their, you know, their high-end
0: stuff. Uh, I, w- I want to spend some time on 2014, but before we dig in too deep, I'm curious because something you said, I don't want to like gloss over, but I think this is important and it's good because like you can share from the dealer perspective. You mentioned the different parallel structures. So you've got like the parallels, then you've got, you can layer on patches and what they look like on top of the parallels. And then I know a lot of these things aren't cracked out, but some of these things are graded too, right? People have them in BGS and PSA slabs. So like from a dealer perspective, like, if someone's coming up to you to buy something, there are instances where maybe a a, out of 25 Mm -hmm. Brady could be more valuable than a out of 15 Brady or, you know, down on down the line. So maybe like to anyone who's like learning about flawless Mm patches for the first time, talk a little bit through that and just how you think about that, maybe from the dealer perspective.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point to bring up. Um, so you think about those four parallels um, in 2014 Flawless, right? In terms of price point, I don't see a huge difference in the number to 25, the number to 15. Um, I think that with other players, some people like the base version, right? The numbers, it's, it's it's like the true rookie conversation with National Treasures, right? Like the true RPA is number to 99, sometimes outsell the, the random number to 25 ones, right? Because people want the true rookie, the true RPA version. Some people like the the original version of the parallel, the number to 25, right? Um, I think for Brady, it's a little more unique because that number to 15 is a ruby, so it kind of fits his uniform. So I think that there might be a higher demand for a Brady number to 15 versus 25, whereas Peyton Manning, like, you know, I I see no difference between a number to 25, number to 15 patch. And you would think that, well, it's number to 15, there's less of them, so it should outsell or be worth more than number to 25. But I think in that situation, people care more so about the patch and what it looks like versus the parallel, if that makes sense. When it comes to that, you see like, all right, so number to twenty-five, number to fifteen, kind of same ballpark. It really depends on the patch, right? When you get down to the gold number to ten, that's when you're going to see a little price bump. And I don't see a huge difference between the gold number to ten and the emerald number to five. I actually think you know seven point five times out of ten people prefer gold over emerald. Period, regardless of the number. Um, and if you think about uh, just a you know sidebar here, you look at tops chrome refractors, right? I would say that 8.5 people out of 10 prefer the gold number to 50 versus the red number to 25 because gold is gold, right? I think it's a pretty similar situation with the parallels, you know, the gold number to 10 versus the emerald number to five. Um, I don't think, you know, you would think on the surface, well, there's only five of these, so it should be worth more than, you know, the one that there's 10 of, right? But that's not the case all the time. Um, So I think in that situation, gold is gold. You know, personally, I would prefer a gold number to 10 versus an emerald number to five just because aesthetics, right? I'm a gold guy, obviously, you know, you talk about my love for patches you see my love for shiny stuff as well on my page right that goes that goes way back but i think that when you're looking at 25 versus 15 um it's the patch so i think with patch collectors it comes down to more so the patch like if my number to 25 has a nice four color chunky game use patch my number to 15 has three color it's a no-brainer to me which one i would rather have and which one I'd probably sell for more from they both went up at auction at the same time so i think it's when it comes to game use patches And this goes beyond flawless. This goes to um, any product, really. It's more so about the patch versus the
0: parallel and the numbering, if that makes sense. So, yeah. And a lot of what you said translates and it's how I think, but I think a lot of it too is maybe subjective where it's just what you like and how it makes you feel. Um, And I think like sometimes, especially on these types of cards, people want to take their rules of like parallel structure and, maybe a sales history on a card and bring it up to, the, to you maybe when they're trying to like negotiate and you've got an opinion, that's one way, their opinion is the other way. How do you find common ground with a high-end product like this with so many variables on patches with four different parallels and maybe even you could throw in like a grade on top of it like that matters, but like how do you find common ground with someone when you're trying to make a deal for one of these things?
1: Yeah, I mean, it can be difficult, right? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, the person on the other side of the table, the buyer is going to try to lower the value of the card, whereas (laughs) you're going to try to stand firm and raise the value of the card, right? So, you know, you'd like to think that if two level-headed people are working together, you can come to some common ground. It doesn't always happen, right? Like, that's where I get a little frustrated sometimes from a dealer perspective, because it's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this for my livelihood. This is paying the bills. This is feeding my family, right? But like, you know, there's certain cards I still have to like, I don't care if I sell. I really don't right? Like I don't have, like to have a good show, I don't have to sell a card, right? I always say like, you know, I have a show where I don't sell a ton of cards, but 10 people take my business card, it's a good show, right? Because networking, what could lead down the line, right? But, you know, the amount of people, and especially in that younger generation, I guess that's a whole other conversation, but, you know, who try to get stuff for, you know, their, their percentage, right? Because the the quick flippers, right? Um, just It still cracks me up. But like, I'm not, I don't, like my nice stuff, like if I hold it for a while, I'm I'm one of the most patient people you're ever going to meet when it comes to sports cards, right? Which doesn't work to your advantage when it comes to trying to get a rare piece off me, right? Although you just did get a rare piece off me, right? We just did a a little deal for that, the the Peyton Prism. I think that went pretty smoothly, right? Um, But, you know, like I don't try to upcharge the hell out of my stuff, right? Because I'm in the business of moving cards, right? But if there's a nice piece, I'm going to give you my reason and explanation, which to me is logical. It might not make sense to you, or it might not make you happy because it's a higher price than you wanted, right? But at the end of the day, the nice stuff's the nice stuff, and the nice stuff is what's drying up, right? Uh, we, we talk, we've been talking a lot in the Peyton chat about the the lack of nice Brady pieces in the premier auctions of PWCC, right? Like, you know, you're seeing the same stuff over and over again right now, and and that's the stuff that's taking the biggest value hit, right? That the nice stuff's the nice stuff, and if you want a rare piece, listen, you 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 can do your research, but at the end of the day, like it's my car, right? So I'm going to tell you, listen, I'm charging X amount because you know, I noticed this comp, I noticed that, you know, yeah, this one went low, but there were four before that, you know, I just had this conversation with with the younger kid the other day about a, a Chet Holmgren rookie, right. Of all things. Right. But the last one did 111. Yeah. But the last four before that were 140, 150, 160, 140. So let's, you know, let's be a little realistic here. It's not a $111 card. Right. But so you have those conversations with people. You try to be as nice and respectful as possible, but I'm not trying to sound selfish here. But at the end of the day, it's my card. Right. So you know, there's certain cards that I want to move, and I, I'm, I'm willing to move at below market, whatever. But there's certain stuff that it's so rare, like you know, a very simple line that you could use as a dealer is go find another one in the room, mm. right? If there's not, a, it's supply and demand. It's not another one in the room. You know, you're either coming after it in my end and give me the value I want, or you're not, right? But the, but it, it, only one of us is walking away with the card, and if I'm not getting the value I want, it, I'm, I'm walking away with the card. You know, so but once again, you try to be as as reasonable as possible. I always. The amount of time I spend, which I love, by the way, I I talked about this New Year's Eve. My New Year's Eve was spending nine hours pricing cards and having a couple cocktails right at home. And I I loved it, right? Which probably also says how old I am now. um, But but regardless, you know, I reprice my stuff. It amazes me the amount of people who set up at shows who don't reprice their stuff before shows. I reprice my stuff before every freaking show. And it's super time consuming. But at the same time, I don't want to have stuff that's massively overpriced in my showcase, right? And I also don't want to have stuff that I have massively underpriced that I don't realize. And I let something go for a hundred bucks. So I was selling for two hundred bucks. Right? Um, it works both ways. But you know, the time and effort that goes into repricing stuff and trying to come up with accurate prices for stuff, um, I spend a lot of time with it. I take pride in that. Um, I think that's why you know people feel comfortable work with me. I'm able to get a bunch of deals done. That shows. And uh, but there's certain pieces that they're so rare. And you know, the last comp was January 2022, and I know that was potentially during peak, but. Has been a sale since. I'm not going to sell it for a discount just because, you know, 90% of the market's down. It's 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 a rare piece.
0: So I was digging into uh, you know, my frame of reference on flawless and flawless patches is always like the 2014 set, which we're gonna talk about a little more. Um, because it's the first year. So I I had to dig in. I was like, when did this come out in basketball? And saw that 2012, right? When Panini got the license, that's when the product dropped. For twelve fifty a box is what I found, which seems crazy nowadays. But yeah, right. Uh yeah. We uh, if if you could uh, just turn back the clock a little bit, I think a lot of us would be buying a lot of uh the first year of Prism stuff, right? Un- unbelievable. Oh, oh. But like I looked at the cards and I compare them to 2014 and it's you like it's just like basketball ones football, but they look the appearance is very similar, if not identical. I know we can't, there's no crystal ball and we can't predict the future here, but it seemed like in the Panini era, a lot of like the football products trailed basketball, you can think about select, you can think about flawless. It was like a year behind. I don't know. Do you, do you expect like that type of thing to continue? Or do you think like, you know, manufacturers like basketball and football are kind of like on equal playing field now, and they'll probably be kind of released in parallel with each other. Like, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. You know, I, first of all, when you sent the topic list for this, I thought that was a really interesting observation and um, discussion point. I'm glad we're talking about it right now. Um, I think it's a simple answer. I think that back then it, it still holds up. Now the basketball is the biggest market. Right. So, you know, at that point in time, really all we had for high end football was national treasures. Right. Um, once exquisite went away. So I think it was more of a market test. Like we want to see how this, cause it, it was a super high end product. It was a super high end price point at the time. It still is right. We want to see how this is going to do before we put so much time and effort into this new product at a high price point, right? Let's see how it's going to do in the biggest market. See if it takes off. If it flops, we never want to start in football, right? So I think that I think that the gap has closed a little in terms of all the, some people's posts with nobody collects football cards. Just completely. <laughs> right? I won't mention any names, but holy shit, I see that stuff and it just makes me cringe, right? Like even if you think that, why put it in writing, right? It cracks me up, right? Anyway, had to throw that in there. But, um, I, I think that you know, back then the, the basketball market was so huge, it's like, let's test this new super high end product in the biggest market and make sure it's good before we take steps forward to do it into other sports, right? Um, and boy, I'm glad they did it in football, obviously, right? But I think now, um, with products, you don't, I think you'll see football and basketball, same product, same time release. I don't think you're going to see that much anymore, but because I, you know. In terms of where collecting was back then versus now, I think football is much more popular than it was back then. Um, It's by far the most popular American sport in terms of viewer, right? So, you know, I think that it made sense what they did back then. I understand it. You know, let's make sure we're going to put this high. Nobody buys it in basketball. They're not going to want it in football, right? I Mm -hmm. think that's probably their mindset. But man, I'm glad that they ended up making it because, you know, some of the coolest cards in my PC are 2014
0: Flawless. No doubt about it, and I, dude, I haven't looked at like the sales history and what's happened with these cards, but I know there's been a little bit of a, a a roller coaster just in terms of pricing on like I don't know, maybe it's reflective of just the way like Brady's market has been over the last two years, or maybe it's something else. But I think one thing is true: when people, especially on the football side, think about this set, 2014 comes to mind first because it's the first how important I, this is a topic that is, is pretty general, but like when it comes to a premium product like flawless, I think it's important. How important is that first year to you? And especially in a, with a product like flawless. Yeah. Very important. I
1: mean, you look at Prism, first year Prism and, and what that stuff sells for versus other years, right? You know, you look at Brady's first appearance in Top's Chrome in 2002 and what that black refractor sells for versus another year, right? It's, it's, it goes across the board. It's a general question, but it's, it's, it's generally the same across the board. The first issue of a product is going to be the premium, right? You know, and then for, for Brady in particular with 2014 flawless, you know, it was nice potential four color patches you could get, right. Whereas in 2015, it was only two color, right? So that's a huge factor, you know, so first year of any set is going to be a premium anyway, but you look at that, it took a few years. Uh, I don't know the exact year when he actually had a, another four-color patch in Flawless, but you look at 2014 and 2015, the first two years, the patches were so much better in 2014. And 2015 is beautiful, right? And I think that I, I don't, I, I can't confirm this, but I think somebody did some research and said that those 2015 patches, while they were two-color, they were off a strobe back uniform. So that, you know, adds something else there. But I think push comes to show people want a nice... Multicolor three to four color patch, and that you can only find that in 2014 flawless in the first year. So I think it's a major factor in um, you know, the how much
0: 2014 sought after in the when it comes to Brady. Uh, so factors here we're talking about the more colors on the patch, the better. Obviously, we're probably the lower the serial number, the better, but we've got the gold caveat because gold is king. One thing we didn't I I wasn't planning on talking about, but I know this is something that you care a lot about is maybe let's talk about the autograph on it. And I think you look at these cards and some of these cards, like the autographs v- vary like in terms of like, this is one that is like pristine to there's a smudge here, or they picked up mm-hmm. the pin there. Talk about the autograph factor on these cards. Cause I think it, it matters quite a bit. So I am,
1: the biggest autograph snob you're ever going to meet in your life. And I'm open about this, right? And this, this brings up a horror story, which I'll happily tell. So I'm sure it'll be, it'll be good. Uh, good listen for people, but it still pains me. But um, i picked up Brady flawless patch very early. Like the one that I have, um, The one of the ones I had three of them. I sold two of them to help fund the house, the man cave, um, you know, where we are now. But um, one of them I had, I paid 800 bucks for it. Right. It's crazy to think about, right? And it nice. was still sealed. Um, you know, got it graded, whatever. But then I actually picked up on blowout cards um, way back in the day. I picked up the jersey number Ruby, BGS 9510. And I, I think, I don't know, it was like two or three grand or something like that, right? And I was ecstatic to get this thing in. And literally like, you know, you know parking outside the mailbox, waiting for the mailman, to come, right? Get this thing in. I open it up. And like, you know, the, the auto and, and this is this is a play on those 2014 flawless autos. So I actually don't own a paid Manning one. Right. So this there's a lot of issues with the autos. So even the autos that are graded 10, there's little there's little splotches. There's maybe a little streak, whatever. I'm just an auto stump. Right. I've owned a couple of Peyton Manning's and I sold because I just I want a freaking flawless, perfect auto. And there was just a little spot on the auto that bothered me. And I, I sold it. I, you know, I did, I'm like, if I, it's going to be my PC. I want a perfect, perfect auto. And boy, do I wish I wasn't an auto stop because I wish I still had that <laughs> collection. Right. And I'll tell you what, if I had a chance to get it back, you better believe I would. Right. Because it's the Ruby, the Jersey, it's an unbelievable card. The patch was unbelievable on it. It's just, I wanted one with, a, with an absolute pristine. And I'm, listen, I'm unique here. Right. we just a perfect auto. Right. So I moved it. Obviously, I wish I still had it. Actually, somebody I know has it. The card's freaking gorgeous. I'm just an idiot. But the one that I have in my collection, the one I kept, the auto is absolutely flawless and per- flawless, no pun intended, right? On the card. So that's me. So but with Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning's autos in that set are so much worse. There's so many issues, streaks, splotchiness. It was just flawless is a glossy surface on the cards, and it doesn't lend itself to the marker they used or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, right? you get got some, I know you are not a huge patch, cover, you got some experience with Peyton Manning, the patch autos. We've seen them in the chat, right? So some people don't care, right? And I would think that, you know, you, you pull 10 people and, um, you know, probably nine of them wouldn't care, right? But I'm the one that cares, right? That's what makes the hobby great and unique, right? People have different things they look out for um, in terms of stuff that's really at the heart of their PC. But um, that service was very tough to sign on. So I am a wicked auto snob. So I would suggest to people is don't be like me. But I would also suggest that if you're buying a nice patch auto on eBay, just make sure you zoom in on the auto, right? Because I think there's some that, you know, if you look at it, just as you're scrolling through and see all the stuff that's listed, you see it, you wouldn't think twice, but you get it in, there's a bunch of splotches in it. And, you know, some people who aren't auto snobs would notice that stuff and might be turned away and be upset that it didn't look closer. So just use that zoom feature on eBay, man, or whatever, you know, auction site you're getting stuff off of and make sure you take a look at the auto because they're not all perfect. It's a very tough service to sign on, but at the end of the day, it's gorgeous stuff. The patches, you can't beat them. And I wish I wasn't as much of an auto snob as I was because I sold that card in my collection for a very low price point compared to
0: what it's worth now. What, one thing, one of my takeaways here is just because it's graded a 10 by the grading company doesn't mean they're all created equally. So yeah, make sure absolutely. you do your diligence.
1: It's just like PSA. I and mean, PSA has like a, I think it's a 40-60 centering that they allow allowance for 10s, right? So it's probably the same thing with Beckett with grading autos, right? Like if there's, one or two small little things are going to give it a 10 because it's, it's nearly perfect. Right. So I understand it. Um, it's just, you know, I, I want a BGS 9511 auto basically. So, <laughs> um,
0: so, so what, what uh, flawless patches autos do you currently have in your collection right
1: now? Yeah. So I actually only have two, um, which is great. I had, um, you know, I'm obviously in a different spot right now where, you know, I, the transition of doing this full time, I always do the PC purge um, before the national, which I talk about and open about right um, so I had, um, I had three Brady on-card flawless patch autos. I moved two of those. Um, so I'm left with one, which I'm keeping long-term. It's a nice four color. And once again, my lighting, the lighting's not good now. I can't show you, but it's, it's on my page. It's, uh, you know, people know I have it. I get asked about it. Is all. it
0: out of 25?
1: It's out of 25. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So number 25, BGS, 95 10 auto with a perfect 10 auto um, four color patch. And then I have, I had a couple of the just the the patch ones. So the jumbo patch, Mm. I had the Emerald number to five BGS 95 um, that I moved to a good friend, Dave DT sports cards. And then I had the number to 25 and I said, you know, I got a lot tied up in these. I know they're very desirable cards. I got people who want them. You know, I have, if I didn't have the on-card auto, nice jumbo patch, I wouldn't have moved the jumbo patch. But I said, listen, I'm good with this. I'm going to move them both. You know, I did well with them. I got some nice trade pieces back that I wanted. So, you know, it hurt to let go. But at the end of the day, I still got this one, which I'm keeping long term. Then for Peyton, I've only owned one or two probably of the patch autos of Peyton. And I was disgusted with both autos. So I moved them right away. Um, okay. I've had opportunities to pick more up. Um, I almost pulled the trigger once and paid a premium. But there was just a little splotch in the auto that just, you know, wouldn't have sat right with me. So I didn't get it. But I only have the Peyton, um, just the patch, the jumbo patch. And that is number two. It's a nice screenshot. Let's see. That's number 25, and it's actually kind of a crappy patch. I would love to upgrade this, but it's a 9.5, which obviously these are thicker cards. They're tougher to grade, right? So the pop on the gems are low. But it's a three-color patch, but it's mostly white, and it's got a little bit of the blue and the orange at the bottom. But that's in my PC. I would love to upgrade that at some point. And listen, you go back to the parallel conversation, I wouldn't care what parallel version it is. As long as it's a nice four-color or three-color chunky patch that I can upgrade, I'm good with it. So eventually, if I do upgrade that, I'll move this one. Um, but really... It's just two um, flawless patches in the PC right now. And, and listen, I you know I'm more I I'm more old school, right? So I think one of the topics on your list that you sent was um, you know what other sets you know are out there that you you know like. And I mean I'm a big absolute memorabilia guy, like tools of the trade. I got some really nice jumbo Brady pieces out of that. Um, you had a whole show on certified fabric of the game. I I, I answered the bat, said no right, and posted one of those. Um, the Brady with the, the Patriots cutout window with the three colors, gorgeous card. Um, and once the cards, you know, the card's not worth a, a huge amount of money. I just love the design of the card. I love certified, right? Um, a little nostalgic too, because I broke it a ton back in the day um, in the card shop. We used to bust boxes, that stuff all the time, right? And I think that you, you, you got to give a shout out to three of the other top premium brands. First of all, Ultimate, right? Mm-hmm. So Ultimate Collection, one of the best products ever made. Design, whatever aesthetics. You got the Ultimate. You got the Super Patches. You know, and then Exquisite back in the day. And, well, Exquisite, there's not a ton of Brady stuff in there, but I got a nice Peyton Manning Exquisite Maximum Patch. It's jumbo piece, um, two-color. And then National Treasures, right? We we, we talked about that. When we talked about high-end products, right? You know, the Timeline Collection and the Colossal Collection, the Colossal, the nice jumbo patch pieces, right? And then, you know, back to Certified. I mean, bo- both of my Shields are Mirror Black Certified um, Parallels, right? First of all, just love mirror black stuff in general. Any mirror stuff from Certified's awesome, right? Certified was just such a good product. But, you know, there are, Flawless is Flawless. It's a premium brand. It's very sought after. You know, if I had five patches in my showcase, Flawless, absolute memorabilia, Certified Fabric of the Game, National Treasures, Exquisite, I'd probably get asked about Flawless first because that's where we are. I'm just an old soul at heart. I love that older stuff. And for me, I love the wording on the back, just to go back to what we talked about earlier. This is certified to have been worn by Tom Brady, in an official NFL game. I love that stuff in my, in my super high-end stuff. Listen, Panini, it says game used. I'm good with it. I don't question any of that, right? But, you know, my super high-end pieces that are at the core of my PC, um, I like the wording, especially my shields, right? Both of my shields, which are super high-end cards, obviously. I have the full equipment logo shield of Brady, and then I have a, the smaller shield, right? And both on the back have the best possible perfect wording you could ask for. And that means something to me, right? And anybody... I, the smallest shield is its in my showcase once in a while that thats known to be available. The bigger one, I'm not moving, but everybody wants to see the back and everybody wants to see that wording. And I completely understand. It's like, it's like a badge of honor when I turn it around and show, Hey, see, this is it. This is exactly what you want. Like, there's no question. This is the perfect wording you want in the back of the card. So love me some flawless, but in terms of my PC, it's more of the sets I listed versus flawless.
0: I feel like we covered a lot of ground in a little time before I let you go. You mentioned it at the top, but where where in the world is the Captain 37 going to be next? Where can people find you?
1: Yes, we got some pretty cool um, shows closer to me coming up. So I'll be at Dedham again on February 19th, President's Day. I think it's the 19th. And then a couple bigger shows. we got the Mohegan Sun show um, at the end of February for a weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I think it's the 24th, 25th or 25th, 26th, whatever the last weekend is. In February, and then after that, we have the Foxwood show um, hosted by the Card Vault guys, uh, March second and March third. So it's back to back casino shows. Talk about a dream come true for me, or talk about terrible stuff for me. We'll, we'll find out. But um, yeah, and then after that, it's it's Chicago in March, and then um, we got a couple of local Boston shows in April. And then I'll be in Indy coming your way in June. So I'm super excited we have to get back on the show circuit.
0: Looking forward to linking up here in Indy, Kevin. It is always fun chatting cards with you. Uh, Looking forward to the rest of these playoffs. We'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Always enjoy talking to my man, Kevin Randall, the Captain 37. A lot of experience, a lot of know-how when it comes to patches and flawless. If you are out and about at the show, stop by his booth and tell him you listened to the episode. Hopefully you have a fun weekend of collecting and thinking about ways to improve what you're building in your collection, I'll always be here delivering collector-focused content to you, the collector. You take care and we'll talk to you soon.